Coming to you live from Master Closet Studios, you're listening to the only podcast on the internet interacting with its own past. Yeah. I kind of wrote that as a joke and then turns out it's, it's kind of true. Trip yeah. and I are doing some stuff with the old episode. So, hey, it's the Noobs and the Whovian if you forgot. My name is Austin, I'm the Whovian, and these are my sons, Corbin and Trip. And, and we're the Noobs. And this is the podcast that introduces a whole new generation to Doctor Who by watching an episode each week and then discussing it from the perspective of a dad who's seen it before. And, and two, two sons, sons who haven't. Except when we don't, because this week we won't. <laughs> Welcome to episode number 134, timey-wimey number 14, Interstellar. This is the one where Matthew McConaughey films the saddest Lincoln commercial ever. Man. (laughs) Just kidding. We'll talk about that later. Uh, But for real, this is the one where Matthew McConaughey and Catwoman save the human race by traveling through time and space. That rhymed. I didn't mean to do that. Wait, what right? Wait, what right? Save the human race by traveling (gasps) through time and space. I was actually going to make a a comment about how you you wrote it backwards because it's usually through space and time, but you wrote it backwards and made it rhyme like I just did. <gasps> and all of that was an accident. It's amazing. Hey. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, this is a uh, timey-wimey episode where uh, we do things a little bit different, and this time we're going to do things a little bit a little bit differenter. <laughs> yeah. So timey-wimey, <laughs> we, we break away from some of our, of our normal stuff to talk about a time travel-ish uh, story of some kind, and uh, we're going to we kind of laid things out a little bit differently this week. So we're just going to dive right in with a new segment for the Timey Wimey's. Who's responsible for this? Be our production notes here. Uh, this was uh, directed by Christopher Nolan. This dude mm-hmm. did stuff I didn't even realize he did. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he did Memento. He did Inception. The Prestige, which I didn't, I caught that like at the 11th hour, like a, oh. like an hour ago. I, I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, as soon as I read that, I went, of course he did because yeah. have y'all seen the prestige no no but okay. i've heard about it it is on the list okay because oh, i yeah. think it's i think it's might be on hulu right now and it's amazing and it is um it has something in common with all these other movies here uh he also did the dark knight trilogy uh all three of the best batman movies fight me <laughs> um and then he did uh tenant which is right now i think I think I they think just it's re-released out. it in theaters yeah did they <laughs> I, yeah i think they like brought it back for the holiday season or yeah. something like that um, he likes telling stories in the wrong order, like a lot. Yeah. Like it yeah. bled into the Dark Knight trilogy. There were, there were some times where you're watching the Dark Knight and there's a flashback where you don't realize, realize it's a flashback at first. <laughs> like he just does that all the time. And mm-hmm. if that breaks your brain, then, then a lot of his stuff. go watch yeah. Memento and just buckle the crap in. I've seen it <laughs> once. I need to watch it about five more times. To, to, to make That's it how it is sense. with most of his movies. Yeah, I mean, like, and, and the, but the cool thing about that is, because of that, it's like great the first time you watch it, really good the third time, the yeah. second time you watch it, the third time it's like even better. It's just like every single you know, time. I just realized this movie and Inception, they both like start at the end. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so does Memento. What he loves to do. Yeah. Um, this was co-written by Christopher and Jonathan Nolan. And if I had been thinking, I would have double-checked this. I believe they're brothers. Uh, Jonathan also co-wrote Memento, or co-wrote or wrote Memento, The Prestige, and The Dark Knight Rises. So, so he they didn't do, do a lot of stuff. Yeah. Together. He didn't do The Dark Knight trilogy, the whole thing, but he did do the third in this series mm. there, uh, Dark Knight Rises. So, uh, Where do I know this guy from? This would be uh, covering our cast here. So you had, uh, by the way, what was the deal with everybody's name being like short, <laughs> yeah. single syllable, and repeated very often in the movie? 
uh, coop, and like very coop, quickly. Coop, coop, coop. There could be like a smash cut of a thousand instances of someone saying coop in this movie. Yeah. Uh, was Coop was played by Matthew McConaughey, or as Tripp thought it was pronounced, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> what? Um, I mentioned here this movie gave us the saddest Lincoln commercial ever. Uh, Corbin and Tripp are infinitely fascinated by Matthew McConaughey's Lincoln commercials. <laughs> yeah. I know, uh, mainly the ice it's fishing like, one. What on earth y'all, is y'all that? Kind of weird. But the funny thing is, the ice fishing one is the least esoteric one that he's in. <laughs> like, there's ones where it's like a dash cam pointed at his face driving, and he's got like the finger on the chin lost in thought and there's like an overdubbed monologue of him talking about reality and I don't even know and like weird lighting and that's the whole commercial and then like at the end it's like a Lincoln logo Um, so yeah um, in this movie we got the saddest Lincoln commercial ever when he's driving away actually he was driving like a a Ford F-150 but yeah yeah. he's driving that away and he's crying because he had to leave Murph and somewhere or other I ran across a still shot of that and it's that same framing yeah. from the Lincoln commercials where it's just the steering wheel and his face, but he's bawling his eyes out. <laughs> and I was like, immediately I thought, is this one of the Lincoln commercials? Exactly what it looked like. Um, holy cow. Um, so leaving McConaughey behind, Nolan likes to reuse his actors. Uh, this yeah. is this is the other thing he's famous for. It, he tells stories in the wrong order, and then he <laughs> just keeps using the same actors. So to start with, Professor Dr. Brand was Michael Caine. Um, he is one of my favorite. Anytime he shows up in a movie, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm just, I'm ecstatic. Um, he, of course, played Alfred in the Batman uh, in the Dark Knight trilogy. Obviously. And then he played a professor in mm-hmm. Inception. I totally forgot about yep. that. Yeah. He's the one that introduced him yeah. to the woman that was that became the architect. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was him. Um, and he's he's been in... A thousand other things, of course. Of course. Um, the other Dr. Brand was, of course, played by Anne Hathaway, who I know from Princess Diaries. That was my first time ever seeing her in something. But she was also Catwoman in the Dark Knight trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, or I guess specifically just in The Dark Knight Rises. So, um, And then we also had, oh, Corbin, why don't you why don't you tell us about this one? Because, uh, oh, really? What? Yeah. Romilly, one of the... Uh, Romilly one, was the guy the that they crewmates. left in orbit, right? Yeah. That had the gray patch in his beard that you mentioned? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. David Geisey, I think. Yassi? He played some random, like, basically an extra in The Dark Knight Rises, just what? credited as Skinny Prisoner. <laughs> I, I'm i trying to remember. Prisoner. I think this is the was guy that in the, it was in that the in the cell pit? next to him in the pit, yeah. Really? Huh. That's now I've got, now we've got to go pull that yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. We've got I saw on. that. I was like, oh my gosh. I saw that like Oh, is that what you were talking about a minute ago? To record, yeah. <laughs> That's that's fantastic. Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't even bother digging through the rest of the cast. Oh because, yeah, I mean, because they're just, probably in every other movie known. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so that brings us down to the plot, or as we call it, wait, what happened? Um, so again, <laughs> typical in this movie. <laughs> yeah, so typical non-linear storytelling of Nolan, like Corbin said, it starts out with Murph as an old woman telling the story of her dad. So this yeah. is one of those scenes where. When you're first watching the movie, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. What? Are, what is are it? we in a museum? It wait. turns out at the end of the movie, yes, you were museum. in a museum. But uh, watching it, this was my fourth or fifth viewing of this movie. And I thoroughly enjoyed all of those snippets at the beginning because yeah. I knew everything that they were talking about. But when you're first watching it, like we you're said, like, we, start, we literally started at the end of the movie. 
with Murph as an old woman talking about her dad and then where then we see her dad. But yeah. we don't have any clue that that's who that is, by the way. Except by the way, I I, can, re- I kind of assumed that. Okay, yeah. you assumed that because I rewound it four times to find out did she actually say my dad was a farmer? Because what she said was, mm, yeah, it was a farmer. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. the words my swelling music. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's I guess that's <laughs> uh, that could be a whole section in and of itself is holy pipe organs, Batman. <laughs> yeah. uh, because dang, it just as he stares out the window into the cornfields what was so special about that moment like i don't understand um so yeah i I guess we had that that jumping around element to the story yeah where you start at the end and then all of a sudden you're at the beginning uh inception by the way and then the the exact same thing yeah you start at the very end quite a confusing effect actually in it's even more confusing in inception (laughs) like did he just become younger what happened in that scene right right so i mean the basic idea here is is okay so so take the thousand foot view by the way one of the things that christopher nolan movies if you search if you do a search for any the title of any christopher nolan movie I guarantee you, if you start typing interstellar, the next Google result will be interstellar film. And then below that, interstellar explained. If you do inception, it'll be inception explained or inception (laughs) ending explained. There's actually a video of Christopher Nolan explaining inception, which is really, really good. And you get to the end of it and you still go, what? What? I think I quite get it. Um, This one isn't as, as tangled up as inception yeah but you can fall down a rabbit hole so if you take the thousand foot view what we have is humanity in the future the undefined unknown very far far flung future where we become fifth dimension has become dimensions of uh, beings of the fifth dimension send help back in time to themselves to survive the past Mm-hmm. At which point your mother goes, "What? I hate this. <laughs> yeah, I hate everything. I hate to do this, with this." And what? Our dinner conversation this afternoon, because she, all five of us actually watched this movie. Um, our dinner conversation this afternoon was uh, how much your mother hated <laughs> bootstrap paradoxes without using the term. Mom has feelings. Yeah. yeah. So at any rate, humanity uh, of the far flung future sends a message to uh, orchestrates. Sorry orchestrates a situation where Coop sends himself a message in the weirdest that, way possible. Yeah. Like, yeah. What? That allows him to communicate the information to his daughter that allows her to come up with the technology to get mankind off of the dying planet earth so that humanity can survive into its own future, which it just sent information back from. <laughs> so that's the that's the plot. Okay, yeah. that's that's the overarching plot. But then there's also <laughs> the big plot. Uh, or, or excuse me, the more obvious plot of we have to, you know, find a, a habitable planet, and mm-hmm. there's these other astronauts that have gone out, and and all those kinds of things. Somehow, so, the first part that we said was the secondary plot. It's like the yeah. it's like the meta plot. It's, <laughs> it's like you you have to think about it real hard to, yeah. to get all that together. So do we have any plot holes, Corbin, that you wanted to address? Cause I'm I just sure have, there a, are some. I just have the note here. Corbin has feelings. I mean, for- <laughs> we didn't write any down. I can't like remember off the top of my head. I would I argue that even, I don't, I, I've watched this four or five times. I don't, I can't think of uh, yeah. big plot holes. Christopher Nolan like is good obvious. at that. 
He's a good writer. I think he spends a long time writing these things. Yeah. Because yeah. there, I'll tell you, there were times when I was watching this movie this time, uh, that was kind of redundant. There were moments this time of, of watching it where I went, wait a wait, minute. Wait, is that how that Why works? Why does that happen? And yeah. then I'm going, oh. I, for example, I, for the life of me, could not remember why the cornfield was on fire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was it was not actually about the watch. The cornfield on fire was so that she could get the wife and the child out of there. And then because she went in there, Wait, she went in Wait, did you miss the room. scene where she poured gasoline and lit the No, no, no. I knew she caused the fire. What I'm saying is why. I couldn't remember why. Oh. I remembered the, the scene where uh, uh, Topher Grace is standing there going, Murphy's on the way. The fire's almost out. We got to go. And then he pulls out the tire iron and that whole thing. I was like, <laughs> I was like why is any of this happening? And then I went, oh yeah, because because it's such a minor thing in the grand scheme yeah. of this movie. Why did she start the fire? Um, and there were little moments like that throughout. Um, for example, I think one that I wrote down later on is uh, why didn't the why didn't they the big capital they send um, Coop when they sent him back through the wormhole? In my mind, I thought they sent him through time. So why didn't yeah. they send him back to when he could have gone back to Earth when when Murph was still you know uh, in her twenties or thirties or whatever where we saw her and then I and then watching it this time I realized oh no 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 that they, they didn't send him through time they he just sent did him. the slingshot around Gargantua yeah. which cost him fifty five years that's where the time difference was mm-hmm. so they just sent him through the wormhole is all they did. And I was like, oh, okay, so that makes sense. So I, I mean, I honestly, I, I keep poking at this movie. I can't find plot holes. Yeah. I'm sure they exist. I'm sure there's, there's stuff out there. There's very minor details that there don't are continu- add up. There are continuity issues that we'll, that we'll get into later on. Um, continuity maybe isn't even the right word, but, but not plot holes. Yeah. So at any rate, um, what have we learned today, boys? Let's talk about some themes. Let's sit down and talk. What have <laughs> we learned today? There's kids? a part of me that's, that uh, every time I read that heading in these notes, I, I think of the old VeggieTales. Uh, <laughs> I can't even remember the words. What have we, what have, what have we learned today? Um, so some of the themes throughout this uh, movie were, first of all, Murphy's Law, Corbin. Uh, <laughs> they butchered it. Every, <laughs> like every person in this movie butchered it and okay. I hate it. So what is Murphy's law? Murphy's what is law the, is what is the axiom? Mur- Murphy's law is anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Right. Or sometimes stated anything that can go wrong usually will go or usually goes wrong. Yeah, or it's, there's it's, there's it's hard versions like and soft versions. Yeah, yeah, that yeah it's yeah. going to go wrong. Yeah. But they continuously and honestly I'm starting to think this is just because the dad wanted his daughter to feel better, but then other people said it. Yeah. Yeah, other people in the movie said it. They yeah. said anything that can happen will ba- happen. Basically, Coop, Murph said, why did you name me after something bad? Murphy's Law is a bad thing. Anything wrong, anything that can go wrong will. And Coop said, no, no, no. I kind of looked at it as anything could happen. Which is, and that's which not is necessarily bad. Not, not what Murphy's Law is. It's not what it says. But not later, later on, uh, Dr. Brand on the ship said it like that was Murphy's Law. She mm-hmm. said, Murphy's Law, anything can happen. And I was like, whoa, hey, hang on. Wait, 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 wait. You don't get to say that because another character said it when you weren't around. Yeah, I love, I take it to mean anything can happen. That is literally not, not what, it, what says. it is. This is a very clearly defined law. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And you're saying, oh, anything can happen. <laughs> <laughs> no. He's, yeah, you're right. He no. was putting a positive yeah. spin on it for his 10-year-old daughter, just like he said, 
part of becoming a parent means making sure your kids aren't scared, which precludes telling them the world is going to end. Yeah. But these other characters say it. And it's like, that's the part that bothered me was when brand said it in the same hole in this movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyways. Uh, But yeah, that idea kept coming up and I would, I would almost say they were, they were saying Murphy's law. And I don't know if that was simply the character tie in making it connect to Murphy, but really this was what in Star Trek they would call itic right? Infinite diversity and infinite combinations, which is another way of saying anything can happen. I'm actually, Itic basically says anything that can happen happens. (laughs) Already did happen. Well, yeah, somewhere in the infinite universe, infinite and space and time, everything will happen or has happened basically is what that idea is. Um, So kind of embrace that. And I think that's kind of what they were saying. Like anything could happen. So let's just assume it's going to be okay. Yeah. But then they're like <laughs> associating thing. it with an already They were hijacking law. Murphy's it's, Law, yeah. And again, I think it's just for the character tie-in. Okay. Yeah. Because but that's still dumb. Don't name the character Murphy, though. Just wait a minute. Hang on. Oh, hang on. What? Interesting. What? This doesn't, this doesn't, solve, your, this doesn't solve your problem at all. Okay. But we've talked, we, we've, we've had this round and round a lot on the podcast about I was just listening to the episode about under the lake and before the flood. And -hmm. you were saying, why did he have to send a hologram of himself back to make everybody think? And, and my comment was, if what you're saying is, could it have happened a different way? Yes. But this time it it didn't. (laughs) Well, yeah. And I, you know, and I, I come back to my whole thing of this story is the time where it happened this way. So stop wondering whether it could have gone a different way. Yes, it could have, but if it's self consistent and there's no plot holes, then just deal with it. Um, so, Maybe that's kind of the theme here is that Murphy, right? If we're saying, if we're saying that Murphy's law is anything could happen. And like I said, they, I think they're putting a positive twist on it. Anything could happen. So let's assume that something good is going to happen, mm-hmm. which yeah. is really the exact opposite of Murphy's law. Yeah. Murphy's law yeah. is, is pessimism, like distilled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, they completely turn it on its head. Okay. So Murphy is the center of this movie, right? Yeah. As it turns out, she's the center of humanity. She's a companion. How about oh. that? She's the center of humanity. And something ridiculously improbable had to happen in her life. That being several things, actually. Someone had to see inside of a black hole, record scientific data, and get that information to her yeah. in a certain time frame. So, like a bajillion improbable things had to happen. Yeah. And anything could happen. So maybe that'll happen. And it did. Mm -hmm. And because it's Murphy's law, it happened to Murphy. Now, let's be honest with ourselves and ask is that what he actually meant? And I'm arguing maybe that's what Christopher Nolan meant. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm arguing. I mean, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Did he think that far ahead? I mean, we can't really say. Nolan? I think so. I, I think. You yeah, want us to I walk think, up to I Christopher I, Nolan? That doesn't mean it's not dumb. I think I just figured have, Christopher Nolan out. That. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I Christopher just, Nolan I just exposed. Just <laughs> <laughs> Top 10 YouTube On, videos. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, let's see. He Okay. So we had another theme about ghosts and science and faith and, and all these kinds of things. So uh, there was an interesting interaction where Coop actually said to Murph, I can't be your ghost right now. Uh, I need to exist. They chose me. 
you're the one who showed them to me. And then and later on we find out they didn't choose me. He chose I me. chose myself. Yeah, I chose mm-hmm. me. And that whole thing. Well, they but, chose me to choose me. They so. is me. <laughs> That's very true, actually. Wait. They chose me so that I would choose me. Uh, <laughs> so he said, I, but I, but I, I never remember hearing this line so crystal clear. He says, I can't be your ghost right now. Yeah. And and then later on we find out uh, he exactly was his ghost. Right ghost, then. Right then. Yeah, right then. Right then. Like, there's a moment where a book falls or whatever and he turns around and looks at it. You know, yeah. so like in, in that moment, he was literally being mm-hmm. her ghost right then. I thought that was that was great. Okay. Um here, okay. I don't know if we can would consider this a plot hole. This is definitely a problem that I have with this movie. Yeah. And we all said it at the same time. She says uh, while the field is on fire, right? Yeah. And she's in there. She looks at the watch and she, no, no, I'm sorry. Before she looked at the watch and saw yeah. it being weird. Before she saw that. That would have made sense. That would have made sense. Because it's the watch her dad gave her. Yeah. Okay. That Even that might've been a stretch, but it would have be been stretch, some kind of a connection. Made sense. Before she saw the watch, she said, it was you. You are my ghost. How? No, all three of us what? went. How did she it come was to this? Books conclusion? on your yeah. shelves. That is the first thing poltergeists go for in horror <laughs> movies. How does this tell you it was? Your... Wait, did you fix it? It was a lunar rover. She picked up the lunar rover. She was inspecting it, and then she's like, "It was you. You were my ghost." That's such that's a such connection. a loose connection. Yes, By the way, he didn't ever intentionally knock that thing over. No, he didn't. He was banging on the bookshelf, and books and the rover fell off, or the lunar yeah. lander fell off. Yeah. So even that wasn't intentional. That it wasn't intentional. I, okay, I think you guys are right. If we had, re- if you rewrite that scene so that she sees the watch and realizes what it is, yeah. and then yeah. goes, it's. Uh, and by the way, by the way, I'd even. I mean, maybe this would be spelling it out too much, but you know, the last bit of the of the Morse code is love, dad. You know, because <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. even if it's just the information, why would that mean that it's him? Why would that mean that it's him? What what indication? Other, Corbin, you make the only connection. It's that it was the watch. Yeah. But even then, I, anyways. Also, anyways, the watch is weird because he says something about programming it into the second hand and he just moves his hand over it. And then we're meant to assume that the watch kept running like that for several for years. 20 years or something. From the time she was a, a yeah. little girl is when he does that to the watch. And it's when she's and a grown woman and comes back, it's still doing. And by and the way, it makes it repeat on loop and not sitting there. Oh yeah, know, it was stuck there. in a box somewhere, and she pulled it out of the box and, yeah. and saw it. Yeah, and I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do, even get how doing like this did anything to the okay, watch. D- wiggling his finger on the the little beam of light that was him manipulating gravity across time. That that was the whole yeah. point there. Was but that how does that mess with the watch? Uh, More gravity. importantly, how does it code it? Uh, like, gravity. gravity plus love equals I can fiddle with a watch in the past. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll come uh, back around no. that. Okay, so Trip wanted to um, explore this idea a little bit, and I wrote it down and mm-hmm. then realized later on it was definitely a theme in yeah. this movie. I'm just going to read it out. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Though wise men at their end know dark is right, because their words had forked no lightning, they do not go gentle into that good night. Wow. Uh, you said you'd heard that before, right? Yeah, you'd I heard it. You studied it in, in school. That's where English. I heard it. 
Yeah, I did a I did a literature project. What is the name of the poem? Middle school. Yes. Yep. It's typical poem fashion. The first line is is the title, and that's not the whole poem, by the way. Uh, oh there, yeah, there, there's there like is, two more paragraphs. Yeah, but that that full thing that I just read was read verbatim twice in the movie, and it was referenced at least one other time. And one it was of certainly the, like said some at many many points in the movie. Re, yes. Yeah. Uh, when when uh, Professor Brand died, it was his final words: "Do yeah. not go gentle." And it seemed like it was his sign-off every single time he made a video message or something. Did he say it more than one video? I don't I thought he read it at one video. Anyways. But who knows. Uh, So, so Tripp, you studied this in school. What's it about? I mean, I didn't really study. I just read it once or twice. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, you you started to say what it was about, and then I said, let's hold it for the podcast. Yeah, um, I think it's like talking about death and like... It's hard to explain, but like you just. What would it look like in if the if the theme is death? What would it look like to go gentle into that good night? Just like giving um, up, yeah, basically. giving up. Just fade away, yeah, peacefully die and be done, and not try and stop it from happening, right? And the theme of the poem is certainly one individual person's death, yeah, and he is saying that old age should burn and rave mm-hmm. at close of day. As you reach the end of your life, you should rage against the dying of the light. You should not go gently and just willingly lay your life down and say, I'm done. You should fight for every second mm-hmm. that you can. Okay, so we've heard that. We heard it read aloud twice. We heard it referenced at least once or twice. And then we had uh, Dr. Mann, Talking about what? The survival instinct. Yeah. The whole reason that we ended up on man's planet was because he lied. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he lied because he desperately wanted to survive and be rescued. And he knew that if he kept hitting that button and giving the wrong information, someone would come one day and rescue him. And he literally went in for the long nap, right? The cryo sleep, and didn't set a wake up date. He went into that thing saying, either someone will wake me up or I will never wake up. And so his his final moment, you know, potentially his final moment of his life was one of defiance against the dying of the light, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to do every last thing that I can so that someone will come and save me. And then he, you know, then he had to like, he's going to betray Coop because Coop's going to leave with the ship and he needs the ship because they this planet isn't going to work. They've got to go find another planet. So that makes them have to kill him for some reason, but whatever. So just telling the other people, oh, this planet isn't actually good. Yeah, that's that's maybe a bit of a of an issue. I think basically he was just obviously Going his insane. his intention was no, his intention was to either kill or maroon all of them and leave the planet because he didn't trust that they would go along with his plan which is yeah. odd which, because he well, would be in isolation again uh no he could have met someone at edmund's planet well edmund might be alive yeah well yeah but it, but at any rate um so you had that survival instinct what is the whole movie about uh the human race trying to survive so. mm-hmm. yeah the human race not going gentle into the gunner. right and even when all hope was lost and professor brand 
told the horrible truth of the monstrous lie that gravity couldn't be solved and that they were all doomed to die on that planet and plan B was the only plan that was ever really going to work. She kept What did fighting. Murph do? Yep. Murph kept fighting until she found a way and she solved it and she figured it out and she did not let humanity die, even in the sense of, you know, like plan B probably still would have worked. Maybe. We don't know. Plan B mm-hmm. might have worked, but she was not willing to let plan A uh, fall die. by the wayside and die along, yeah, along with, you know, the rest of humanity and everything. So, so that's the big, the big, big theme there of do not go gentle into that good night. Mm-hmm. Um, what's love got to do with it? I don't. This is know. my biggest problem with this movie. We talked about a couple of little, you know, uh, small inconsistencies that we were yeah. just debating about. This is my just stupid. Single biggest problem with this movie is that love is Was some, the key. Ninety minutes into this very science-based story, all of a sudden the answer is love. Like she was right. I'm about glad Edmund's they shot planet? her down as quickly as possible. Okay. Yeah. Great. They shot her down. But she was but still what? right. She was right. I mean, she, there was a 50-50 When chance. he went to the Tesseract, what did he say? Lo- he, liter- he literally said. Love literally, is the answer. He literally said it. We're connected through love. Holy 1980s rock ballad, Batman. <laughs> love is the answer, I believe. <laughs> love will find a way. He said love is the answer. Uh, yeah, but that's because he doesn't know what's happening. No. Like, he said, no, no, no. What in did his, he say? In his moment of clarity, yeah. the Tesseract scene is the linchpin of this entire movie. Like we, we jokingly said, it's a two-hour and 30-minute movie. A it's a two-hour and 30-minute setup to a 20-minute, oh my gosh, which, by the way, describes every Christopher Nolan movie. Almost. Yeah. Um, it's two and a half hours of what? And then, oh, um, oh, what he says. And by the way, I think I really do think you have to watch that full movie at least three times before <laughs> the Tesseract scene makes any sense. Uh, Tripp and I were, were talking about it and he was like, wait, yeah. what happened with this? Yeah, yeah. And, um, because it, because it hit, it hit you with so much stuff. You can't process it. So here's what happened. Okay. When he realized what was going on and he realized he, t- he tells Tars, don't you get it? Th- they is us. We are they, basically. They is humanity in the future. And they sent me to send a message to myself and blah, blah, blah. But what he says is love is the answer. He says that this entire Tesseract is built around one little girl's room. And that his love is the thing that allows him to navigate it and to communicate Across time. I don't think that's the case, though. I think from a literal okay, then, scientific then, sense, okay. standpoint, that's him not understanding what is happening. Yeah. But what you have to assume then is that he is a he is an unreliable narrator. Yeah. And up yeah. until this point, he's not been an unreliable narrator. Because it's all been within the realm of his understanding. And then that's suddenly true. he's thrown into a black hole and Which met no with a fifth dimensional seen. object. But, okay, it's... It is Bran's love for Edmund that drives her to want to go to his planet. And as it turns out, she was right. They never should have gone to man's planet. They yeah. should have gone straight to Edmund's planet. It was Coop's- It was a 50-50 shot, though. Uh, no, 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 no. For, forget, no, no. Storytelling at this point. Okay. Don't look at this as a scientist. Look at this as, a, as, a, as, as literature. She was right. Yeah. Coop says, 
His love is what allows him to communicate with his daughter in the past. His communication with her in the past is what enables her to save humanity. So he was right. At the end of the movie, what is the last act that happens in the movie? The last action that is taken by our protagonist. He leaves because of love to go find Dr. Brand. Mm -hmm. And the movie ends with an act of love that is presumably right. So according to this this story, you can argue science. You can argue science. That's fine. But according to this story, and that's what we're talking about is a story. According to this story, love, Dr. Brand is 100% right. She says that love can reach across time because we yeah. love people who are dead. We love people from our past. So we our love can reach into the past and then what happens later in the movie? His love literally reaches into the past and physically interacts with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, um, I yeah. don't like this. From a purely... I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> from a purely story standpoint, yeah. And okay. I won't bother with... It's a like, good thought. Now, let, okay, Corbin, let, me, hate, let me meet though, you in the middle. Let me, I hate, though, love stretches across time because we love people from our past. That is just that was a weird, not weird understanding statement. what time is. <laughs> okay, so let me let me meet you in the middle and say, okay, because I've argued very vigorously that love is the answer. And 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 what I started with is what's love got to do with it? Because to me, this is the only thing that that doesn't fit the rest of the movie. Yeah. It is so if okay, this was like is, a drama, okay, it would if make you had more to sense. sum this word if you had to sum up this movie in one word. Confusing. Sorry. Two words. <sighs> it would be time and gravity. What do you mean? I call it a love story. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> the the movie is about time and gravity yeah. and how they interact. So we spend a whole crap load of time talking about time dilation yeah. and how relativistic speeds and or high gravity wells cause a a a time slip right and then we have this sci-fi idea of gravity being able to reach out across time and impact the past right and then we just throw love on top of it like like yeah. icing on a cake which i'm like what wait when did this I think come it's into pretty the picture clear that the fact that it's behind this bookshelf and whatnot, the fact that the Tesseract looks like that is not because, oh, I love my daughter so much. It's because that's what the fifth dimensional beings that made this thing in the first place made it to look like. Because they needed her to get the information. I don't think it is love. That's my point. He keeps saying, oh, it's love. It's love. And I don't believe him. (laughs) Okay. So, all right. Like dad saying. Uh, Here's, yeah. Here's my exactly. <laughs> yes and no. I would I would say that again because we have to believe the story for what it is. We have to say that the answer is love. Except that he also says in the tesseract, um, and this this flies by while he is literally flying through the tesseract. <laughs> Here's what it is: fifth dimensional beings are not bound by space and time. They're not bound by the four dimensions below them. So because they're not bound by them, they cannot interact with them. So if they entered the Tesseract, they can't influence anything. So they needed a a fourth dimensional being, a human being as we know it, right? We can move in up, down, left, right, forward and back, and through time. So we can interact with it. So he explains in very concrete, actual scientific ideas 
that if a fifth dimensional being wanted to interact with the the third and fourth dimensions, they it would need to, to use a fourth dimensional being. So that's why they used him. That's why they chose him. So that's why he had to be there, except that love is also the answer. And yeah. that's my that's my problem, Corbin. You I'm not I'm not actually arguing against you. Yeah. <laughs> except to yeah. say you can argue yeah, you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't need all this. Except it doesn't that need the love he, part, yeah, except that they explained it that way. Spends a lot of time in this movie yeah. explaining that love is the answer. And for that matter, spends a lot of time uh, with docking scenes. And we'll talk uh, about that. Yeah. <laughs> also, I think now would be a really good time to mention that uh, according to relativity or whatever, time is a dimension. And yeah, technically we are fourth dimensional. Well, beings. it's uh, we've got a, a time dilation, uh, yes, entry there coming up. So let's talk about that in a minute. So um, one other theme is, and this is um, this is an, another Star Trek thing: the needs mm-hmm. of the many, right? The yeah. needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. All over this movie, we are debating whether or not the needs this of the many true. outweigh the needs of the few. Yeah, we spend a lot of time in this movie debating that. Now, my favorite, my favorite. My favorite <laughs> moment where we illustrate this is Dr. Man in the airlock. This is not about my life. This is not about Cooper's life. This is about all mankind. There is a moment. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh gap. my. <laughs> he was building up so much steam for a great speech and boom. <laughs> Just flies on the airlock. Immediately. And explodes like. The ring thingy. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was. It was it's like, <laughs> oh no, this could have been an amazing speech. Yeah, I I want to hear the rest of the speech that that I'm assuming Chris Nolan wrote. You probably you probably <laughs> That's did. What I there um, is a moment. Yeah, there is a moment. <laughs> I mean, like he literally. <laughs> did, I don't even think he said the T in the word moment when boosh, he was gone. It was so uh, great. Um, mm-hmm. There's a. There's a. Oh gosh, what's the movie? I think it's a. Is it called Deep Blue Sea? I think where. Um, oh no! Why can't I think of the actor's name? Uh, Morgan Freeman. So it's a. It's a. It's mm-hmm. a movie of uh, under underwater base under siege type of thing where there's intelligent sharks. Okay. That's all. I mean. <laughs> and wow. there's a scene where some people have been eaten by said sharks and Morgan Freeman stands up and he's facing the, the rest of the survivors. And he says, you know, has this big speech, man, like we're going to survive and we're going to do this and, and they may be this, but we're that. And I mean, does the whole thing. And he does it standing in front of a pool of water. And I am not kidding. Right at the crescendo of his speech. (laughs) A shark comes up, bites him, and drags him away. And he is gone. Instantly gone. It is the funniest. And then everyone just. So spoiler alert for Deep Blue Sea. Uh, So how about our next segment? Is that how that works? Uh, (laughs) This is uh, Corbin mentioned that uh, we end up spending a lot of time talking about, um, I don't know, science and uh, engineering and I don't know, literature and, topics. Yeah. All kinds of things that are kind yeah. of, you know, like tangentially related. So, uh, time dilation, Corbin, did you, you started talking about this. So what you're talking about the fourth dimension and time dilation and go for it. What do you got? Uh, well, first I think we should mention as much as we talk about science, we are speaking from a place of mostly ignorance. Definitely layman. Yeah. I'm I sure. <laughs> 
I'm not a no, Stephen Hawking or yeah. anything. Yeah. You know, but maybe we can get Neil deGrasse Tyson to come on one week. I will <laughs> say they did do time dilation correctly in this movie. Yeah, from everything I know. Yeah. 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 And I uh, time dilation is weird, but basically the faster you're moving or the stronger gravity is, right. uh, you experience time differently because space and time are fundamentally deeply interconnected. Yeah, it's actually referred to as space-time mm-hmm. by astrophysicists. And, and yeah, and that is why people smarter time than me. is a fourth, yeah. the fourth dimension and right. whatnot. So Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about it this way. He says, no one has ever said to you in your life uh, let, let's say that they wanted to meet up for a cup of coffee. No one has ever said to you, let's meet at the Starbucks on the corner of uh, fifth street and main street because you wouldn't know when to go. Yeah. No one has ever said yeah. to you, let's have a cup of coffee at four o'clock because you, you wouldn't know, know where. where to go. So you have to tell someone when and where, and when you tell them where you're giving them up, down, left, right, uh, back forth, right. You're giving them the three dimensions, uh, on, 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 you know, coordinates on the globe that is earth. And then you have to give them a time. And if you don't have that fourth element, then the thing doesn't happen. It, it you yeah. know, you're, you're missing information. So that's why time is the fourth dimension. And so if you, uh, so, so we are fourth dimensional beings. We, we exist in these four dimensions. So what if there was a fifth dimension? What if there and and there are those that speculate that there could be as many as like 11 dimensions and all this kind of crazy stuff um, that we don't know how that works exactly. But for these fifth dimensional beings, they would be outside of time and space in such a way that they can move through time the way we move through space. Mm-hmm. So they can move through space, but they can also mm-hmm. move through time. And yeah, go Google uh, Carl Sagan Tesseract. He has a great little demonstration of what a what a fourth dimensional cube, or sometimes called a hypercube, is. Right. So you have a line, you have a you have a you have a dot, you have a line, you have a square, you have a cube, you have a hypercube, which is a fourth dimensional cube, and what would that look like, and all this kind of stuff. Um, So that, and by the way, a fourth dimensional cube, a hypercube, is also called a tesseract. Mm -hmm. That's what he was in. He was in yeah. a fourth dimensional cube. And that's why, um, by the way, how do you even sit down with your art department and say, all uh, right, we're going to build a Tesseract on screen. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, by the way, converting four dimensions into two. I was going to well. say, converting four dimensions into three in a way that makes sense to Coop mm-hmm. and then portraying that on a two dimensional uh, screen. Like that's crazy. Yeah. That they were, you know, and, and by the way, I think they did it very well. Oh, yeah. Um, except for the fact that it's just mind-bogglingly mm. confusing the first half dozen times you watch uh, this movie. Yeah. Um, like, I'm still sure that the fifth or sixth time I go watch this movie, I'm going to be still going, oh, wait. <laughs> so um, I did tell the boy, well, that's, that's, that's getting ahead. So. <laughs> right. uh, Corbin, what is this next point here? Uh, at some point, at some point, they made some comment about how the black hole is, like, different. And maybe there's a possibility if you do it just right, you can go past the event horizon and then send information back out. That, that just doesn't work because the event Light horizon is defined it. as the point at a black hole where once you pass it, nothing can get out. 
Yeah. That is the definition of event horizon. Okay. And, and one thing that the, the, the opposite of that is also true, which we don't think about as often. The event horizon is also the point beyond which we cannot see. Mm-hmm. So yeah. their whole theory, their whole attempt was, uh, what was it? Uh, Romilly told Coop, you know, drop TARS into the black hole. And like you said, maybe if he's going fast enough and at a at the right angle or whatever, which was just like hand wave that away, that if he can get inside the event horizon and perceive what's on the other side and then immediately transmit that information back out, and presumably because he's a computer, he can do it, you know, lightning quick or whatever, maybe there's a chance we can get the information out of the the black hole. Yeah. But what Corbin is saying is, no, 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 no. It doesn't work. It's a hard line. It is. If you are at the point where you can see inside the black hole, you are already past the point where you can communicate back out of it. Also, by the way, as far as I understand, there is nothing to see inside of a black hole. That's why it's called a black hole. I mean, you know. And there's videos like, oh, what would you see inside of a black hole? And I've never, like, seen any. But my understanding is that you wouldn't there have time nothing. to see it before you get squished into well, no, no, hundred no, no, pieces no, no. and die. It's not that there's nothing. There's a lot. Well, the, yeah, there but is. But you can't. You, but literally, the okay. So I had to explain this to Brayden because Brayden was saying, if they were flying that close, wouldn't they have been sucked in? Okay, so black holes don't suck, right? Yeah. Um, black holes are massively dense, and so they have an extremely deep gravity well. I told Brayden it's kind of like our sun is huge and therefore has a lot of gravitational pull. Imagine that times basically infinity. Yeah. What makes black holes special is they're tiny and have a very big gravitational pull. Right. And then it collapses. And theoretically, infinite gravity at its its core. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, if you are traveling fast enough past a black hole, you wouldn't be sucked in nothing you would never ever be sucked in you would be pulled in by the gravitational forces but if you were running tangentially to it at a high enough velocity (laughs) it would just curve your trajectory not pull you in which is what they did so if you are if you are past the event horizon first of all neil degrasse tyson would definitely want me to to talk about spaghettification here i want to talk about that okay that's the best part well, basically, the idea is once you once you approach the event horizon, the gravity at your feet is so much greater than the gravity at your head that your body would be pulled apart at a molecular level. That's mm-hmm. the basic idea, and you would be turned rapidly into something akin to spaghetti noodles. So, <laughs> spaghettification is what is what, is, is what DeGrasse Tyson says is the official scientific term. Yeah, and it's spaghettification, which I love that. best name ever. Yeah. Scientists um, have a sense of humor sometimes. Spaghettification is right up there with defenestration as a fantastic word. Do you know what defenestration no. means? No. It is a verb that means one thing, to be thrown out a window. <laughs> <laughs> I like this verb. <laughs> Talk about a hyper-specific verb. So at any rate, if if you somehow, like Coop did, survived spaghettification, like for whatever reason. But he didn't even have it happen uh-uh. to him. That's what I mean. Yeah, then that, he they, would yeah. be dead they, they, and you can that is the biggest problem scientifically with this movie is that yeah. that didn't happen, right? So they got inside. So if you were inside the event horizon of a black hole, what that means is gravity is so strong at that point that even photons and 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 electromagnetic waves and nothing can escape. Everything is being pulled to the middle. So for you to see something, 
photons have to bounce off of that object and arrive in your eyeball. Which past isn't the event horizon possible. Huh? Because everything would be being pulled. So Inside an event can... horizon, even light is traveling towards the center. So no light is entering your eyes. It would be the definition of darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be the actual the actual absence of light in your in your retinas because no photon is even approaching your yeah. cornea, let alone reaching your retina. They're all moving away from you. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing where he start he's seeing things inside does not add up. That's that's the mm-hmm. weakest scientific aspect of this, but that's where you had to go, okay, we but we're trying to tell a story about what if you did go into a black hole. So <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So Corbin, you had you had a solution though to get information out. E- Potential well, so- solution. <laughs> Potential. Because again, we're we're well, definitely I'm not a quantum scientists. physicist. <laughs> There's probably a myriad of reasons why this would not work. But uh I think we've talked about it before is uh what is it called? Quantum entanglement. Quantum entanglement. Quantum entanglement is when uh, two particles are always in the exact same state. I think is maybe the maybe not the best way to define it. I don't know how. Yeah, is it is it quarks? Say. I don't know. Maybe I think it's I, I think it's quarks, and they they have every quark has a spin, mm-hmm. and um, if you like have five. quantumly entangled quarks. They would have matching spin, always, and, always, and um, and so if they were separated by uh, the you know if one was on one end of the Milky Way galaxy and one was on the other end, and they were entangled, they would match spin yeah. no matter what, and so uh, uh, something about eventually the I think part of the idea with quantum computing involves this right or is it no 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 it's just quantum. Quantum communication using quantum entanglement yeah. would be finding a way to manipulate that and so that you because could read on one side of the galaxy, you could read what is happening on the other side because those two quarks are yeah. entangled. Around. Normally, the limitation of <coughs> sending information is the speed of light, which like right. here on Earth, that's nothing. But if we start exploring the universe, years, yeah. you know, it's going to take several years to communicate with people far away. But quantum entanglement we could in theory just negate that because it happens instantly right so if you so if you had uh quantum communication at that level and you had uh sending and receiving devices one on the endurance and one with tars then when he crossed into the event horizon his quantum entanglement would be reflected in you know his his information would be immediately encoded into the you know the receiving end i, I don't even know the right terms yeah <laughs> to yeah. use for for quantum communication I mean, technically there's not like a receiving end they're both uh, yeah like basically the same uh, well except that one would be encoding information so it would yeah. then be showing up on the other end instantaneously so yeah when corbin said that i was like huh so it kind of makes me want to send like an email into star talk and yeah. see and what he yeah see what he thinks about that possible or maybe maybe we'll because uh, it's not in like the and we'll, we'll tweet him or something yeah it's not like anything is escaping the black hole and that it's scenario. just existing in a different space exactly mm-hmm. exactly yeah well hey guys noobs in the whovian is brought to you by r5 website management um you know the deal you can get your world-class hosting domain registration and security all at a great price uh, we've got a special deal just for noobs in the whovian's listeners or those lucky enough to know one use the code 
News. At checkout, you get 15% off your entire order and see if your co-host remember how to do this ad from a couple months ago. Head over <laughs> to store.r5websitemanagement.com. Use the code News. at checkout and get 15% off of everything that you purchase today. All right, so um, <laughs> here we are, uh, um, 51 minutes into a timey-wimey. Let's talk about time travel details. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we, we joked about how this movie... Uh, was two hours and 49 minutes long. My goodness. 49 minutes into this movie, we got to space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 49 minutes. In a space movie. So what I'm saying is <laughs> we have two hours left of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. know. <laughs> uh, time travel details. So uh, what was the method of time travel? I wrote wormholes and science or gravity or love. I, uh, it's uh, fuzzy. Dimensional <laughs> beings. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah, black um, holes and uh, uh, everything. Yes. So, so apparently, the fifth dimensional beings uh, can travel through space and time yeah. because that's the nature of who they are. Just like we can go up, down, left, right, front, and back, they can also go uh, future, past. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a movie, uh, uh, not a movie, a book, um, The End of Eternity. Corbin, I think you read that, right? Isaac Asimov, The I End think, of Eternity, yeah, yeah. and they they use these. They get into these uh, vehicles that travel through uh, through time, and they literally go up to go to the future and down to go to the past. So they call it upwind and downwind, yeah, uh, to refer to the future and the past and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, so they can we can go left, right, up, down, front, back, and upwind, downwind. Uh, so at any rate, um, yeah. So the fifth dimensional beings can travel through time, and so they construct a three dimensional space that is referred to as a tesseract. So I guess that's really, it's kind of a four-dimensional space that allows Cooper to comprehend this yeah. mm-hmm. and interact with it and, and do what the fifth-dimensional beings do, move through space, um, excuse me, move through time as though it's space because in the Tesseract, it was. Did y'all, did y'all kind of pick up on that? Yeah. yeah. That the fourth dimension became a physical, a, a spatial dimension. That's why you had that, that, Doctor Strange repeated <laughs> architecture thing going on. Um, yeah. Which again, bravo for them. Um, oh, yeah. So the rules, can you change the past? I See, they don't establish rules because initially no. you think the time travel is, oh, it's just time dilation. They get close to the black hole and they lose a bunch of years and whatnot. Right, yeah. So time travel in one direction. Mm-hmm. Just going well, going. Forward faster than everybody else. At no point in the movie do they change the past. So at, say that again. At no point in the movie do they change the past. So right. So again, this isn't they, a time travel adventure movie. Yeah. Where we hop in the DeLorean or this is just there is get in the phone booth or whatever. Um, it, yeah. So there's no scene where they do the exposition of this is how time travel works in this in this telling of it. Um, <laughs> So the closest that I thought we got to it was Coop telling Tars they didn't... Br- no, I'm sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. Other way around. Tar, Tars sorry. telling Coop they didn't bring us here to change the past. That statement is what unlocked Cooper's mind. Yeah. It's when Tars said that that he went, wait a minute. They, You're right. They didn't bring us here to change the past. They brought us here to, to do what it. we'd already done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's saying, Tars, we have to be able to get the information to them. And Tars is like, no, 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 no. That's not what this is about. They didn't bring us here to change the past. And Coop's like, right. They brought us here 
to do the past that already happened. Because <laughs> to do the past. <laughs> <laughs> I don't that came out way smoother than I if I had thought too hard about that, I wouldn't have gotten that right. Um but yeah, they they brought him here to 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 make the past happen. <laughs> to do the past. To do the past. That's right. I mean Yeah. Yeah. So we normally ask the question, did they follow their own rules? There weren't. So if, if okay, so if we count that line, or excuse me, As that bit the of dialogue only rule in the movie, yeah, then we would have to say yeah, yeah, right. That they so that's the only time in the entire movie that it gets brought up. The thing is, right, with this situation, even if you can change the past, that still doesn't take te- technically break the rules because them not changing the past doesn't mean that the rules couldn't say that you can and they just didn't in this scenario. So, yeah, because yeah, they didn't say like you can't he could change not the past. Send, Tar, he, Tars didn't say oh no no no. The, they told me we can't change the past. Yeah. <laughs> what he said was they didn't bring me here to change the past and it be kind of it kind of became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah Tars, they didn't bring us here to change the past. That was the way it already happened. So they brought us here to do, the, like we said, to do the past. So this is the reason, again, why mom hated this movie. Uh, because next section here, paradoxes. I wrote bootstraps on bootstraps. Um, this is what your mom uh, hated. And our, our dinner conversation, I think, clarified it. So here's the reason I said bootstraps on bootstraps. Coop sent himself to the NASA facility after they sent the wormhole to save themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. themselves being fifth dimensional evolution of, of human beings in the future. Yeah. yeah. So some future evolutionary point of humanity manipulates time and space and, and sends back the information that it takes for humanity in the past who are still in the fourth dimension to survive into the future, which your mom's like, what? <laughs> hey. like, I don't understand. Like, she, she much prefers Back to the Future. Uh, <laughs> Go back and, and mess up your parents' meeting and then your head disappears off the photo. Um, or, sorry, your brother's head. Yeah. Um, you, for some reason, disappear uh, like last. all at once. Yeah. Yeah, not only last, but all at once. So um, what, I, what I explained to your mom, because she had a problem with this and every other movie that does this, by the mm-hmm. way. She was like, I hate it when someone goes into the past or is interacting with the past and they, she was like, okay, he's banging on the bookshelf. She said, like an idiot (laughs) trying to get Murph to tell him to stay, even though he already knows that he didn't stay. So he can't change it. And what I explained to her was this, and this ties back into what we were just saying. I don't think he knew yet. I don't think he got what was happening. Yeah. So what, what happened is, all of the initial stuff with the ghost was accidental. Yeah. Mm. Coop was banging on the bookshelf trying to get Murph to pay attention to him. And that's why the books fell off the shelf the first time mm-hmm. and the, and the lunar lander. Then he starts to piece it together. Wait a minute. I can interact with the past. Mm-hmm. I'm going to send a message. That's when he fast forwards a little bit. He goes a couple of levels down in the Tesseract and pushes the books off the shelf to spell out stay. 
and then try and then he's banging trying to say don't let him go murph don't let him go and then bang so hard that a book falls off that his past self looks at right all of this is him running on pure emotion and adrenaline and by the way confusion because he's in a flipping tesseract yeah and at this point he doesn't know that he's not here to change the past. Yeah. Like he doesn't know that yet. He thinks he, he can change. The he past, probably barely. Under, like I said, he didn't even understand what was happening at first. Yeah, if he's yeah. like even processing what is going on right, right now. So he slowly gains the idea. Oh, wait a minute. I am seeing the past. Then in banging on the bookshelf, knocking the books off, he realizes he can interact with it. So then he tries to send a message. Then he realizes that didn't work. Holy crap. That's what already happened. Tar says, they didn't send us here to change the past. And he says, I know we sent ourselves. Wait. So that's a weird line. And I don't is. quite know how he jumped to that conclusion. I'm not sure why he thinks that it's humans in the future. I, that is a, that is a bit of a leap. That's the same leap as Murph saying yeah, it was you, you were my, my dad. Ghost. Like yeah. why? It could just that? be aliens. It, it could really have been. Could. Yeah. So why isn't it? I don't, do we have any reason to, to understand? No. Actually, now that I think about it, the only reason... Do you have the watch connection again for us, Corbin? No. Like, <laughs> the, the only reason we have to think that is because he said it. And yeah. Uh, yeah. While it does make really? sense... Was, at least a little bit. There's no breadcrumbs. There's no breadcrumbs. It doesn't make sense yeah. that humans, like, evolve into fifth-dimensional fifth beings that can... Yeah. Start walking through I think time it's some random aliens. Ways. I mean, like, that's a, a bit of a sci-fi trope. It's like the Q in Star Trek where like yeah. they evolved to the point of being omnipotent. What? Had, what? We evolved out of our third dimensional yeah. bodies in yeah. fourth dimension. So that, it, by the way, yeah, you, you bring up one of the other flaws that I have with this movie is wh- where did that leap come from? It, it When he says it, it makes sense. But then when you think, wait a minute, why did he wait. make that leap? Yeah. I don't, I can't connect the dots. In this scenario, I'm going to believe the movie and say it it was Uh, us from the future. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I have to take them at their word. Is this the first time? It makes sense, but to him, it doesn't. Yeah, how did he get there? Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's a really good point. So that was my point to your mom was that the part where he was doing, you know, uh, the things he was doing were all futile. Yeah. They weren't going to go anywhere except that they led him to realize what he could do. And that's yeah. when he sent the message via gravity to make the, the lines in the sand I to just, give the coordinates, which Corbin said. What? The binary lines in the sand. Wasn't enough. You said oh, that yeah, was not yeah. nearly yeah. enough dashes to give you latitude and that, longitude. That was uh, like, Two digits, latitude and longitude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's like he, he grows in his understanding while he's there. And so all of the all of the like self-defeating stuff he's doing was not intentional. And I told your mom, I was yeah. like, that's a trope in sci-fi where if if you establish at any point, whether it's in the rule section, the rule scene, or just the evolution of the movie, if you establish that you cannot change the past, that it is going to be a causal loop, right? Someone is still going to try. Well, okay. So what happens is a lot of times someone goes back and says, I'm going to do it different. And then when they, by the time they get there, they realize they couldn't uh, have done it differently mm, because yeah. of whatever. 
character motivation, last minute circumstances, whatever it is, right? You know, the doctor and Donna trying to prevent Vesuvius from erupting by the aliens. All of a sudden they realize they have to make it erupt to save the planet. So they had to do it all along, you know, that kind of yeah. thing where they're like, we're not going to let these people die. Oh, well, we're going to cause them to die because more people will be saved, you know, that kind of thing. So that's not what was happening here because he was unaware. And then when he became aware and started using his agency to actually do things, it was all positive things. It was not, yeah. it was no longer self-defeating. It was, okay, now I need to leave the information for myself so that I can become part of the, the, the Lazarus program. And then I need to give Coop the answer to gravity. So there you yeah. go. Bootstraps on bootstraps. Guys, News in the Whovian is also brought to you by listeners like Victor, Jared, and James. If you find value in what we do and you want to give a little bit of value back, just head on over to patreon.com slash noobsinthehoovian. Actually, you can head on over to noobsinthehoovian.com slash support. And then just click on something. Sure. Just read something and do what it says. Are you? Can you follow directions? <laughs> Are you one that always remembers to put your name at the head of the worksheet in math class? <laughs> or are you the kid that always forgets to put the name up there? I don't, the first thing it says is name, and you forget to put your name. Right? Uh, ben. <laughs> Why do you sound so guilty right now? Because it's Ben's. Uh, <laughs> Because sometimes. So anyways, head over to noobsinthehoovian.com slash support. Click on something there. Maybe you want to become a patron for a dollar a month. Maybe you want to uh, buy something from Amazon and it doesn't cost you a penny extra, but it helps support the show. Maybe you want to uh, give a one-time donation. You can do any of those kinds of things. Noobsinthehoovian.com slash support. Become a patron of family-friendly independent media today. All right, so guys, was it good? So we start off with, was it a good story? And then was it a good time travel stories so thumbs up thumbs down yes or no was it a good story corbin i must say yeah yeah it was a good story i mean it was a very long one it was it was we've mentioned like some of its downfalls like how long it took and to how, get into space and, oh okay well yeah but still it's worth it yeah it's still it's, it's still a good movie we, we didn't even get to make fun of how long all the docking scenes in this movie were <laughs> Without but, without making yeah. a two hour and forty nine minute podcast episode, yeah. yeah. But I'm gonna say overall, you know, it was it was a really good movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, was it a good story? I absolutely yes, <laughs> yes. I told the boys every time I watch this, I like it more than the last time. I watched it. <laughs> every single time, yeah. and this time I was, t- guys. Here's here's a here's an indicator for me. Okay, whether we're watching Doctor Who or a Timey Wimey. Uh, somewhere, uh, let's say in the range of about an hour and 30 minutes to about two hours and 30 minutes, I didn't take a single stinking note. <laughs> I'm exaggerating. I probably took a few notes, but I, I two suddenly, sentences. at one point I suddenly remembered that I had a laptop in front of me. I was yeah. like, Oh my gosh. Like I'm, I'm supposed to be taking notes because I was just sucked into the movie and enjoying it so much. Trip. Yeah. Was it a good story? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, Corbin. I like I like that reaction. I want to clip that out and use that as a bumper somewhere. <laughs> uh, okay, so what is it? A good time travel story, Trip? What do you think? Yes, I mean uh, it wasn't really a time travel story when you break it down. Ultimately, there was about but there was thirty minutes of time, but travel. there wasn't any plot holes or anything. So, the more you watch it, the more you realize. It's time travel from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. You just don't know it the first time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you don't obviously. know that the ghost is a time traveler. 
You think it's yeah. them, whatever them is. Right. Yeah. Well, for a while, you think it's it. You think it's yeah. a ghost. And then you find out it's they, whoever they are. And then you find out they is us, and us is them, is we, is Coop. <laughs> us is they is when. We and is we, Coop. I can't even say it as Us well is they as is we is Coop. Yeah. Uh, so Trip says yes with a question mark, and that's mm. and that's not whether or not it's good. That's whether or not it is a time travel. Yeah, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I'm just gonna say full throated yes, absolutely all caps with one exclamation. Full throated, full throated <laughs> approval. Yes, I have never heard that. Uh, yes, grow up. Okay, uh, what <laughs> Corman was it? Grow up. <laughs> what? Basically, say get out of my house. Uh, I didn't say anything insult. like that. I really. Uh, what What did you think? Was it a good time travel story? Yeah, yeah, it was. They did it well. They again, just right at right at the very end. Aside from time dilation, which counts, but is not nearly as interesting as oh sure the actual time travel. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, just yes. So I give it yes in all caps with an exclamation point. Trip gives it yes with a question mark, and Corbin gives it yeah. Boring. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, the game plan. Next week, we are heading into series uh, series nine, episodes seven and eight. So holy cow, another two-parter. Yeah. Um, yeah. <sighs> After a two-hour and 50-minute yeah. um, I, I, I knew this movie was two and a half hours. And we sat down, and when they got to space, and my, my belly started rumbling for dinner, and I hit pause, and it was at 49 minutes, and I went, holy oh. crap. I literally said, okay, now that we are a television episode into this movie, we just started a movie. <laughs> so we paused. We literally stopped. While the rocket is heading up out into orbit, we stopped and, and ate, dinner ate dinner and came back. That's that's yeah. how long this movie is. Um, so next week, we're doing a two-parter, the Zygon Invasion and the Zygon Inversion. Oh, you see what they're doing Do there? they turn... Inside out? That's oh, disgusting. Yeah. I don't want to see that. <laughs> well, they do have suckers on their tongue and poison. <laughs> poisonous poisonous suckers on their tongue. Bad so, touch. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? Bad what? touch. I think I made myself clear. Bad touch. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know why that got me so much. I don't know either. <laughs> Guys. Noobs in the Hoobian is a production of Master Closet Studios where it's always smaller on the inside, and this week it got even more crowded. Your senior oh, yeah. producer is me, Austin Reason. Our audio engineer is this guy. I'm Trip. Our production editor is the other guy. I'm Corbin. Special thanks to TARDIS.Wakia.com for the trivia. Thanks to uh, uh, Victor, Jared, and James for their Patreon support. And don't forget, head over to NoobsInTheHoobian.com where you can find all of the ways to get a hold of us, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, email, Patreon, all of those kinds of things. Wherever you found us, make sure that you subscribe and leave us a rating. Share us with a friend. Not because we're a great show, but because we watch one. Until next time, my name is Austin. I'm the Hoobie, and these are my sons, Corbin and Tripp. And, and we're the news. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. I forgot my new closing line because it's not in these notes. Oh, yeah. well. So be safe if you can, but always be amazing. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> be whip. The, the three fundamental laws of physics pretty much say you can't harness gravity in any way like they did in this movie. <laughs>